Hello, and welcome to Crick Club, the podcast where four friends pick movies from the Criterion channel that we have never seen and talk about them. Uh, and I'm Peter Ann Clark, your host for this week, who also had the pick, and I am very pleasantly joined by three absolutely wonderful people. I'm joined by Corey. Hi, Corey. Hello. I'm joined by Angela. Hello, Angela. Hello, Peter. And I'm joined very, la- very last, but very not least, by uh, Wizard Chris, the very lastest. Yeah, <laughs> so kind. Hi, Peter, and everyone Hi, else. Thank of you for, thanks for joining me. Uh, with this being my pick um, this week, we're taking a dark and twisted journey through the mind of South Korean writer director Kim Ji Woon with his 1998 debut, *The Quiet Family*. This tonal oddity tells the story of a family who invests in an isolated lodge on a hiking trail where no one seems too keen to visit. But once visitors do start checking in, they bring plenty of bad luck as baggage. I was interested in picking this movie because I'm an enormous fan of Kim Ji Woong's later film, The Quiet, Deeply Unsettling Tale of Two Sisters. Uh, The Quiet Family is decidedly more uh, energetic, uh, even goofy at times. Uh, and it lets the great cast try the try to keep their plates spinning and follows them around to a pretty interesting soundtrack. Um, this movie also turned out to be a really great chance to see some amazing South Korean actors earlier in their careers, as it features uh, Choi Min-sik before his unforgettable turn as the lead in Park Chan-wook's Old Boy. Uh, and The Quiet Family also has a very fresh-faced Song Kang-ho before his multiple awards that he won for his part in the very excellent Parasite. Uh, a quick content warning about this discussion that there are scenes of attempted sexual assault uh, that might be discussed throughout this. Um, so, Crit Club, did your stay in the, this very foreboding hotel, did you enjoy your stay in this very foreboding hotel, or did it only exacerbate your cabin fever? Um, Wizard Chris, what did you, I will call on you first. What did you think? Um... Broadly, I had a great time with this movie. This was also very much like a wizard movie. Um, it's like incredibly like darkly funny. Um, it's like a it's like a bloody episode of Frasier stretched out to feature length. Um, just like keeping the like, as you say, like keeping those plates spinning, um, uh, trying to get these bodies uh, taken care of, trying to get those bodies taken care of. Now we've got an assassination plot. Um, I love movies where the characters, I love movies where all the characters are kind of bastards, um, and a lot of, like, mayhem and death occurs through, like, twists of fate and, like, chances and, like, little chances, and, like, I also love, like, the locked, uh, the locked room sort of aspect of the of the of the movie because it all takes place within the confines like for the most part you know, within the confines of this um i guess kind of foreboding uh hiking cabin i don't know i've never been to south korea i don't know what the standard for like creepy house is there um but it seemed like a cozy little uh, little place if not for all the murder and death that happens um yeah uh lots to say uh but i think that covers it this was a fun one this was really really fun Angela, what about you what did you think of the quiet family it's funny um i didn't love i wasn't fully entertained by the main story but the subtext here for it like just ate up all the commentary about consumerism and business people and um and families, I was eating that up, but didn't, you know, this, you know, I, I don't love horror. It's not my favorite kind of genre. And uh, so, no, I did not enjoy. And also, I have this horrible thing about bad things happening to stupid people, where it's like all the things that that wizard loves, which is like the strange happenstance that turns these this poor family into a bunch of murderers. That stuff is like the stuff of my nightmares of like accidentally <laughs> becoming um part of a murderous plot um just because they take of... to it right away too they're basically they, <laughs> they really the matriarch do. is like let's do it we're we're getting rid of a body now and i was bothered by that um i was bothered by not having enough context at the beginning like they don't tell you why they bought this place we don't know the circumstances before so i really just wasn't able to get um a real understanding of these people before the big page three incident happened um, where they're they're starting to kill people. So I couldn't like really have a reaction to it aside from 
wow, this seems really bad and maybe you all should leave this house. And why aren't you leaving this house? Um, but otherwise, I actually really enjoyed it. Out of all the horror movies we've watched, this one's been my favorite. Um, I look forward to chatting about it. Corey, what about you? I think that this is a very good movie. Um, just as I was watching it, um, so, so I had to look this up. I didn't have this like in my immediate recall, but uh, this was an almost perfect example of a Fichtian story model. Um, so there's all sorts of different story models that you can do for, you know, creating your story. There's obviously the, the hero with a thousand faces, the hero's journey. There's, uh, you know, Dan Harmon's story circle thing, which is like the new rad one. There's the the pyramid story model or whatever. And the, the Fitchian is um, just crisis that builds on crisis that builds on crisis that builds on crisis that builds on crisis all the way up to finally having like, like the resolution at the end. That's the down. Like Gilmore Girls. That's a what? And like, I have such an appreciation for uh, media and pieces of, of work that can do that model because I can't like I, I can't like in my brain think of these like compounding crises that uh, lead, you know, people into more and more and more, you know, dire and ridiculous circumstances, upping the stakes and then there's just so many like threads in this movie that all have payoffs. So like this script, the script is just stellar. Um, I imagine like, it's just a very well-written script. Um, and the direction's fun. Like you said, goofy, uh, it's entertaining. I, I love the soundtrack. I was just like, Oh man. Like, cause I was watching nice. this movie. And I was watching this movie and I'm like, this doesn't feel like 1998 like this doesn't like this could have come out like last year almost like uh, you know throw in a cell phone or two and this would be just a very modern movie uh but then like every once in a while the soundtrack would come up and like oh yeah like in the like the late 90s and early 2000s we were all about the movie soundtrack and like worked really hard to have those like standout songs and stuff so that was the only thing that really made me like realize this was like a 90s movie because it just did not feel that way it um, wasn't the pager Corey. <laughs> oh sure, I guess. So yeah, there was a pager in <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> um so I think there are a couple things in the movie that like stop it from being like something that I could say is a truly great movie. A lot of that is like a lot of the sexual violence and stuff that's mm -hmm. I guess played for laughs. Um and, which is bizarre. Um so, but I, I think that it, it was a a very good movie. That's that's where I'm landing on. It's a very good movie. And I am very pleased to join you all in thinking this was a very good movie. Like, what a, f like, I guess I didn't expect it. I Like, I I knew that this director, I knew that, uh, oh gosh, I'm going to forget his name the whole time, Kim Ji-Woon. I knew that Kim Ji-Woon uh, had did uh, another movie called The Good, The Bad, and The Weird, uh, which I, I didn't know that he had did, done that. It was, it's, it's like a goofy sort of um, spaghetti western or something. But uh, I, I don't know, I just have, I have Tale of Two Sisters that loom so high in my mind, which is very quiet, very contemplative, very uh, amazingly uh, creepy to me. But this movie was extremely funny. Like, I laughed out loud multiple times to this. Like, like in a, in a very absurdist way. Like, the guy stabbing himself in the chest with the hotel key is is just hilarious mm -hmm. like that's that's enormously funny like the first yeah, guest who and, and there's a payoff dies. with that too there's like they have, they have the setup of the sound of him sharpening it and keeping yep. everyone awake and everyone's like what is that yeah. and then they pay it off with like that's what he uses the kill so i don't know yeah i yeah i thought it was i thought it was a like i, I was this movie I, I was expecting to enjoy it just because honestly tale of two sisters is what on i would say it's one of my top 10 top 15 movies of all time wow. and so i knew i was i was expecting to enjoy this i didn't expect this energy from it which was utterly delightful i think it stumbles i uh, i don't think i agree with you exactly Corey, in that there are a few things that keep it from making like a perfect whatever crit for me and angela i definitely agree with you that there doesn't seem to be enough setup of the stakes of it of who they were before this like what led them into this desperation the things sort of behind a little bit of their decisions um but it's darkness i felt i felt like rewarded for for engaging with its darkness because at the end of the day well i guess they did kill people but <laughs> but i i kind of loved at the very end that they're all just still a family together mm -hmm. in this place like that was like there was a sweetness to 
to its mm-hmm. darkness. That was like attempted um, and and mostly landed for me. Mm-hmm. No, I I'm I'm delighted that I'm delighted in the movie itself, and also very delighted that you all enjoyed it uh, as well. Um, I have a lot to talk about. Uh, there are a lot of things that do feel very '90s about this movie to me. Hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Anything anybody want to talk about first? Well, let's start at the beginning. Like yeah. a couple of first th- shot that opening shot. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, honestly, opening that shot. opening shot of the. Are you talking about like the the panning around and going through the building yeah. and all that stuff? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Of like setting the place very much. Mm-hmm. Of like, here's where we're gonna spend the next hour and a half. Like, let's get to know it with some like, like I don't know what the fucking song is, but it was rocking. Mm-hmm. It really made you feel it. I don't know. Sorry. Go ahead, Corey. It's your point. Um, I mean, uh, you know, Angela, Peter, you've said that you wanted more of a setup or whatever. I didn't like you like with if the first like five ten minutes of a movie you have a grace period for me and um i'm willing to accept what you're gonna throw at me so all you had to do was show me that they were in pretty desperate dire straits that you know they were not getting any business or whatever and i'm like that's all the motivation i need like (laughs) like i can see that they 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 have a lot tied tied uh invested in this you know if they don't make this happen if this doesn't work for them they're going to be really screwed so perfect motivation for, for them to want to you know keep that um so I, I was okay with that i thought the uh so in like these kind of movies where like the the stakes are upped or whatever it's like this thing happens by accident they make the uh you know sort of uh horrible choice to not report it and whatever because they they have to but then they they make the twist into like culpability like really fast it's like mm-hmm. just the the second they have the opportunity to be culpable with like, now we're going to start killing people. It's like, that's, that's the next thing that happens. Um, Admittedly, that was uh, that was a panic situation. I don't know what I'd do in that. Mm. I'd probably start <laughs> screaming and hitting stuff too. I'm almost surprised who killed themselves. Yeah, I'm so almost nice surprised like uh, someone didn't yell like zombie or something. I mean, that's almost <laughs> what it looked like. Uh, but I don't know. I didn't, I didn't need much more of a setup than that. I was okay with, with how they did. I don't know. Considering how much like these people, like the, the how quickly they switch into the murderous mode i felt like i could have just used a one-off line from somebody about mm. something just to contextualize like you know is this one of dad's harebrained schemes what was the last minute business that he fucked up there's a million ways to quickly without like a montage or any bullshit like that kind of convey why this is so important and and then give make it more believable for me to understand why they make that switch because as soon as that switch happened i was i was done i was like oh this is what this is okay and i get when does he kick the dog the dog's before the killing right almost right at the beginning it's it's when they aren't getting any it's when they aren't getting any customer that's that scene was so funny i had to watch it twice um because i laughed out loud and at first i was like wait what happened uh Yeah, I didn't and then know I'm like, what happened oh, the there. eating. I see. Oh. Yeah, so I mean, I think that that's them doing a little bit of establishing there, you know, kicking the dog. Well, and I but like and I I'm with you halfway, Angela, because I I do I would like to know why they're so desperate. What what the desperation is that causes them to like swarm around very creepily the the one visitor who comes. Like I oh, that, those shots. Oh my gosh. What I love the direction of this movie. Uh, I I wanted more, but I wanted more behind that. Like there, but the escalation into murder I thought was pretty well plotted. Like it was like the meme of the dominoes where it starts with a little one and it just kind of like gets bigger and bigger. You know, yeah, 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 exactly. Because at first they're just hiding a guy. At first they're just not reporting a suicide, and then they're just burying two other suicides. Two other suicides. Yeah, (laughs) that panics into it on the side. See, it screwed it up all for me. There was that old lady who came up to the house, right? Oh, I um, loved her. Oh. I loved her. That <laughs> was yeah. that was give her spinning. all the crone rolls from now until forever. I loved her, but it planted this idea in my mind that this place was haunted, mm-hmm. and that right. um, you know these suicides were maybe not the work of the people who who died. Mm-hmm. Like it was another entity. So I'm I'm it took away the ability for it to be funny. Like I'm waiting to find out more about this ghost. It just, and also just keep in mind, everybody, I don't watch horror movies. You guys love them and watch them all the time. So maybe there are all these tropes that, that speak to you that tell you like, what is this actually going to be? But for me, I'm just left with a ton of questions. 
It's, I would put this I more in a, this a horror movie. Yeah, I would put this more in yeah. the category of a black or a, you know, like a black comedy. Black or, comedy. Or, or dark yeah. comedy. Yeah, this, there's no, like there was nothing horror to me about this. Like really. It's more in line with like uh, like Eating Raul or The Last Supper or Shallow Grave or like movies like that to me. See, it wasn't funny enough for me. I was like, I was not, there was mm. nothing. But then, you know me, I, there's certain levels of humor that I just, sure. I'm taking it too seriously. Because there were times where it got a little too goofy for my taste and be like, boy, they're pulling out some wild-eyed mm. takes and <laughs> which is which is fine. <laughs> like, it's what would Shaun of the Dead be? I love Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, yeah, it's a horror comedy. It's a horror comedy. Yeah, it's yeah. A dark, dark, dark comedy. Yeah, this is the same as this. I feel like they, these, these had a lot of overlapping senses of humor to me. Mm-hmm. Shaun of the Dead's way better, but also it's a Western culture, and so maybe I understand it better. I've never seen but... Shaun of the Dead. I should see it. Oh my God, you haven't seen Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> hot Fuzz is better. No, see, I, I hated hot, hot Fuzz. fuzz. I hated it. That's no, the, no, seen, Hot Fuzz. I don't is think not those better. guys are funny. Hot Fuzz is absolutely better. I will have this fight. I have watched Hot Fuzz more times than any other movie. Mm-mm. in the world okay, because it is a perfect script. I'm there one of the two... lone people that do not think Hot Fuzz is funny. Okay, but there's one thing that is better comedy. than both Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead, and that is Spaced. If you've ever seen that show mm. from the late 90s. It didn't age well to me. No, I loved it. I own it. Yeah, I and, own it. And the more, every time I watch it, it's just like ages less and less, and it becomes more nostalgia and less I'm okay fun. with that. But that's just me. I'm yeah. okay with that. Like, bring me pre-9-11 world and let me like pretend, you know, before everything went to hell, that I was a young adult, full of hope. Uh, yeah, I feel good about that. Okay. But anyway, that's why, that's why I watched the you... same seven seasons of The Simpsons so many times. Yes, we yeah. can go yeah, back to this same. movie. Go back. Yeah. To but back to the Quiet Family. <laughs> I'm curious about your all's. Uh, I'm curious about your familiarity with Korean cinema, or maybe even '90s Korean cinema, or even '90s cinema around this time. Like there was a bunch of sort of overlapping things that I found in because this is. Real, I don't, I don't know enough about it, but this is like I think the turn of the century because this was ninety eight, uh, uh, the turn of into the twentieth first century, uh, really spurned off at least in my recognition. I don't know all of them, but some amazing stuff. Wong Kar Wai started really banging out the hits around that time, and you know just like incredible movies. Um, I think Wong Kar Wai was Korean. I hope I'm right about that. Um, but so I'm wondering about that. You're familiar with that, what you went into this movie with, whether you knew or had seen any of those movies or even, you know, seen, you know, Song Kang Ho and any of the stuff for Old Boy or. Right. I mean, I recognize Old Boy. Um, I, I think I've seen like Old Boy host Parasite. Honestly, that's probably about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I recognized uh, like those actors. But, but it was interesting, though, that like I was watching this movie. And I'm like, oh, I recognize a decent amount of this cast. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Wong Kar Wai uh, is from Hong Kong. Yes, mm. deeply, deeply apologize for that. Yeah, um, I've seen a couple of uh, Korean horror films. I've seen Thirst, which is another another film that has like a weird tone, like a strange straddle between horror and comedy. Um, uh, I've seen The Host, um, and I've seen I've seen many of these actors and other things. Nothing in the movie really like telegraphed, you know like expectations or anything like that um you know again like the scene where uh, the scene where the guy sharpens his room key into the 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 shiv that he kills himself with it telegraphs exactly what kind of movie this is going to be like it's uh... um i liked the uh, i like the, the 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 idea of um like talking about the hotel as if it's haunted or something like that or cursed or the 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 old lady comes by and she's like oh there's like a like a head above the above Mm -hmm. the the roof is that is that right um like a foreshadowing of Uh doom thing i like the idea of um you know like another horror movie like hereditary where like most of the horror is stuff that takes place like is stuff that we don't like takes place in the background that we don't really have context for. Um, maybe the hotel is haunted, um, but like we're not privy to that information. It's just a place that it's just a place where bad stuff happens. Um, I like yeah. that. I loved the because it w- that was even before the the old crone came and spit. Uh, you know the youngest <laughs> the youngest family member. Do she kept impression. staring up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Not but like the, that. But the, the youngest girl, uh, whose name I'm forgetting, she would be staring. Like, the first half of the movie, she's staring up into the rafters as if there's something she's actually looking at mm-hmm. or whatever. I, don't, I liked that. But also, I enjoyed the thing of, like, of no, this house wasn't, to me, this house wasn't cursed or haunted mm-hmm. or anything. It's just a terrible family. Yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's like, they're the ones haunting this hearse. They're the ones causing the curse of this house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is how haunted houses get started. Then they uh, they stop answering the door, and then one by one they die off, and then it becomes that creepy haunted place uh, in the woods that you don't go to. I'm really... Is anybody else seen... Because one really weird thing that I thought about a lot during this movie, especially the direction of it in some of its pans, there was a lot of... There was actually a lot of Quentin Tarantino and a lot of the pans and a lot of the, the zooms and stuff. There were also, in some of the very extreme angles... That they reminded me a lot of like early Peter Jackson stuff, hmm. a lot of like mm-hmm. um, uh, you know Dead Alive and uh, Meet the Feebles and, and things like. That. I don't know. There there was just like was just like a wackiness to yeah. a lot of the direction that was just, like stylized for. That's what seemed more '90s than anything else to me. Was the direction? Yeah. My mind immediately went to Evil Dead, Evil Dead Two, especially mm-hmm. that kind of like Sam Raimi like rubber camera that just kind of like. Uh, like spins and snaps onto like uh, snaps onto whatever the camera's meant to focus on like follows like people and things like projectiles like through the through the space um yeah like that zany slapstick stuff um even that thick that thick like corn syrup fake blood that they're using remind like with oh that God, special when she, like, when she like like is touching it and then like licks her fingers licks her finger it. Wipes it off. <laughs> <laughs> that was great uh, yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you with their early Peter Jackson vibes. I mean, like, I mean, when you like when they like slap each other and then fall, like one of them falls into the grave and stuff. I'm like, yeah, this is I can see Peter Jackson vibes with that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It also remind. I mean, as we were as we were want to do, as we seem to do, this being his debut movie, it also really exudes a lot of that youthful energy of just like mm-hmm. it's maybe my only movie so i want to put as much you know style and pizzazz into the direction as i can mm-hmm. um but as far as like things that we recognized uh it, it's just funny like some of the songs like and we haven't seen this with like other movies that we've done here but like um i think one of the reasons why i like this movie is because it, it some of the songs are evocative of other things that i love like just the so alive song that's like one of my favorite songs, um, and the reason I love it so much is because it's in one of my favorite movies, Rules of Attraction, um, and like the Schubert song, the just the piano Schubert song, uh, they do that a lot, and it's always sunny, and so, I don't know, yeah. hearing hearing that like just makes me, uh, that's how you get my dopamine flowing. God, I love that soundtrack, <laughs> and it was very surprising. I didn't expect it to be, I don't know, it was just... It, it was just, it, it does, Angela, you talk a lot about what movies, you want movies to do, and I think what I want movies to do is to just surprise me, is to just, like, give me any sort of, ex, like, give me any sort of emotion or feeling that I didn't expect coming, uh, and I feel like I got a lot of out of this movie of just, I just didn't expect it to be, and I kind of even knew this setup. As I've said in the past, in the last episode, this movie was remade by... Takashi Miike, a renowned uh, and very strange Japanese director, into The Happiness of the Katakuris, which I have seen The Happiness of the Katakuris, which takes the weirdness to another level because that's also a musical. That movie (laughs) is a musical where part of it is actually claymation as well. Um, Very strange, very off-the-wall movie, but roughly this... I was going to say... I'm sorry. I was going to say, yeah, how how does the plot compare? And see, I can't really remember, though. Like, because it's... uh, uh, Because it's been... It's been 15 years since I've seen Happiness of the Katakuris. And all, the only thing I remember is the, is the basic sort of plot of, like, you know, desperate family buys a lodge and people keep dying and they're trying to hide the bodies. Like, I don't know if it had the same sort of snowballing plot of it. But so even with me sort of knowing and prepared for what The Quiet Family is probably about, uh, I think there were a lot of stylistic and directorial choices that just kind of kept me on my toes of like, what is going to happen mm-hmm. next? I don't really care. And I'm just really on for the ride of this. Yeah. yeah I, I want to see a different version of this whereby they embrace the fact that people keep dying and they report it to the authorities. The press comes, makes a big freaking deal. And then all of a sudden, all the freaks start coming to stay at uh. the hotel. That, 
the, that would be for me much more interesting. So one of the things this reminded me of was uh, something that I mentioned a, a long time ago on a, one of this was uh, seven stages to achieve eternal bliss. I think is the name of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's it was a movie from a couple years ago with um, Makuchi, what's her name from uh, uh, Garfunkel and Oates, mm-hmm. and it also stars Dan Harmon. Um, but it's it's about uh, this cult in L.A. where the cult member commits suicide in a bathtub and then like all the cult member and then two, a couple moves into that apartment and all the cult members just keep breaking into their place to kill themselves in that same bathtub. Uh, it's another darkly comic one. I thought that was going to be the setup here is like, Oh, this is just like suicide hotel. Like for like kind of like the, um, you know, the suicide forest in Japan or, uh, you know, popular suicide spots like golden gate bridge or whatever. This was just like, they didn't know that they were buying this, you know, super popular suicide spot or whatever. But yeah, they right. ended up not going this way. Um, and I think it's probably, I, I like the way it went where they, where they immediately were like culpable and okay with being culpable yeah. in it. Uh, do you guys want to talk about the weird scenes of sexual assault? Sure. Yeah. I yeah. I don't know. I'm just curious about what your opinion, cause they struck me as long and odd uh, and that, that's, I think, where, you know, uh, I wanted to hear what you all had to say. But that's that's the extent of my sort of perception of them is overly long and not framed. Well, yeah. I mean, there's a big horror trope whereby, like, bad things happen to sex- sexual women, right? And I know this isn't necessarily a horror, um, but I do think the film sets up opportunities to kind of comment on the genre. Like, the first scene is about... You know, they put the hotel sign up and they're like, Misty Hotel, but it's actually Misty Hotel. And that, for whatever reason, reminded me of Psycho. Um, And so I think that this film is also commenting on on certain horror tropes. And I think that a lot of horror movies kind of cheapen what's really happening to, to the women in them. I mean, because it's horror, it's not meant to be taken seriously. But in this case, because these scenes go on for so long... Um, it's almost a comedic, you know, like, you know, and also it's weird to me just in that this is shit that really happens and that back in the nineties, you know, we didn't have the Me Too movement. Um, a lot of men kind of thought that behavior that they were taught that was supposed to be sexy turned out was kind of sexual assault. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think a lot of guys, you know, the way that it's played, it's like, well, of course this is going to happen. This is just what men do. Um, and so I actually, while I did not, I was not entertained or that's not what I go to cinema for. Um, I thought it was, it provided interesting commentary on the, on horror as a genre, on sexual assault in films, um, on sexual assault in Asian culture as well. Uh, I don't know. That's, that's my take on it. I did not take it as commentary. I took it as, yeah. like you were saying, it was a dated thing. Like, this is a thing I guess we could get away with in the 90s. Like, it doesn't excuse it, doesn't make it good or whatever. Uh, I think that if this movie were remade today, it wouldn't feature those scenes because Definitely it's not, not because it's not commentary. I think it's, I think it's a first-time filmmaker being, like, lazy yep. and gratuitous. I mean, I just found, like, a lot of those scenes is, like, especially the one with, like, the couple and they're in the room and they're, like, trying to get together and he just, like, keeps getting on her... There were, I think they were trying to play that up for laughs. Like, haha, look yeah. at this. Yeah, guy. no, the whole, the whole, both of the scenes, like, they go on for so long um, and they're weird and they're upsetting. But as far as, like, well, the second, the second instance is much, much worse. But these things play out like, uh, like Looney Tunes cartoons. Mm-hmm. They play out like Pepe Le Pew, like, yeah. dry humping the unwilling cat, um, which. We should not do anymore, and is not funny. Um, yeah. and just the big brother if you're shows wondering, up and, like wags his finger over the sexual assaulter, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and then admittedly, up, still, admittedly, still like a. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. Address. Admittedly, does uh, does like beat him up, but really, again, only because like he beats him up uh, first. He like he tries to defend his sister, and then he gets beaten up, and that's what he's really mad about. Uh, yes. Um, uh, yeah, I think broadly we don't need these things anymore um, as storytelling devices or as like objects of fun. I think we I think that's that's See, okay. Yeah. None of this was funny or entertaining for me. So the only thing I could get out of it to redeem this film for me was to try to pull some meaning out of it. And so if there is no meaning 
to what I just saw, then I have to like totally number one fail this film. That's how. Wait, I what are you talking it. about? Are you talking about the entirety of the movie or just those two scenes? I mean, uh, those scenes in particular, but also like I was, I w- didn't find any of it funny. I there was not. I didn't see the cheekiness yeah. to it. Like I thought it was very sloppy and lazy, and so and also the timing wasn't great. Right, that everything was super rushed. They didn't do anything in a good way that would set something up, create some tension, and make you wait to see what happens. Like, it, it was for me, I ha- I was like, maybe if I sit back and just let this film be what it wants to be, um, and I'm not looking for laughs or thrills, then I will find something redeeming from it. And the most redeeming thing I found was um, maybe some overly generous subtext commentary. See, well, what was that subtext commentary? Well, it, Elaborate, please. Well, for me, oh, the sorry. beginning of the film, um, aside from the very long panning shots of the entire location, um, you had uh, the youngest daughter sort of sitting on a couch, staring into space for an exceedingly long period of time. Um, and she's just sitting there and you're just like, yeah, okay. Which to me, that was the first point. This is a 90s film. We're just going to pick one person that you were supposed to relate to and sit on them for a while. Now, the film also, I mean, I love looking at sandwiches, the film sandwich. The film also ends with that young daughter, right? Yeah, and then, talk about. Oh, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm thinking about not just the situation of what this family is in. Like, I'm thinking about also the relationships between individual people in this family. And that girl, for the most part, is pretty much ignored. Like, she's almost mm-hmm. just an observer. And to me, she represents what we are to mm-hmm. the film, which is an observer. I forget where I'm going with this, but um, essentially, um, I just, it's a commentary entirely on uh, family structures, the extent to which Western culture has impacted Asian culture. And that's why you have so many Western songs playing over the, the film. Like, how many non-Western songs were in this soundtrack? And I don't think it was just to make money on a soundtrack, even though that was a very big thing to do in the 90s. Like, Uh, what? There's got to be a good reason why the filmmaker decided those are clear artistic choices. You don't just make films because you want to have a good time and make people laugh. I'd like to think, anyway, that filmmakers are actually trying to say something. So you've brought up a lot of stuff. Um, I think one one of the first... Uh, things was uh, about the pace of the movie. Um, I think it's a matter of like perception and expectation because I actually had in, when one of my notes was great brisk pace. I thought that the whole yeah. thing was briskly like there wasn't a wasted scene. Like well, I mean there were some scenes that go on for too There's long. Some scenes we um, done without, but, but everything but least, builds on everything else. Yeah, in regards to the larger plot, I was like, man, this movie is just moving, and I was I was into it. So I don't know. I've... So. I mean, I don't, I don't agree about Western culture. Um, I think a lot of the, you know, I think a lot of the soundtrack was just kind of stylistically and just interesting. Uh, I, but I, I think there's, I, I think there's something in there of like, okay, so what are these people? All right, so let's look at it not as a comedy, not as a horror, just as, as a, as a piece of art with it, with meaning behind it. And I like, so my perception of it sees it. All right, what are these people trying to do? These people are trying to craft. Uh, you know, a, a home for themselves, trying to craft a safety. They're, you know, it, it, it vaguely says at the beginning, sort of cast out of the city, and they're just trying to create, you know, a safe space for themselves. And they're all throughout the entire movie, uh, they are under threat. The family is under threat, not through suicides, not from dead bodies piling up, but uh, of this road coming, of progress, of being paved over, of all of this sort of stuff. And so I think there's a lot of like, and then you look at the family and how they work to quickly address the things that are unraveling around them and to me it just speaks about adaptation and adaptation in the face of progress of just like uh trying to stick with what you know trying to adapt to the changing world around them maybe and maybe that does tie into a lot of what you're saying about western culture as well of just like trying to adapt to the world changing around them in unforeseen sometimes fortuitous lots of times unfortuitous ways well it also says to me like you know if they just wanted to make a home Right? Why didn't they just buy a home? But they didn't just buy a home. They bought a home that was also a hotel that was meant to be a business that brought in income. Right. So to me, it also talks a little bit about commerce. 
Um, and also, I imagine, I mean, I, I haven't watched a lot of Korean cinema, but I, I do like reading uh, South Korean historical fiction, Fred Pachinko, um, and also Lisa C's book. And it's my impression, based on, you know, that's very limited, that owning a tavern, it was kind of an old way to, to make money. And so we have this family kind of hewing to an old way of being. And then next door, they have this road coming in and a developer who is much more business-minded trying to re redo the whole area. So I don't know. I just, I really clued into all of the, the, the different commentary of that, those very changes that you're, hmm. you're talking about. And I think you're right too. I don't think you're wrong to it. I don't think that stuff doesn't exist. I think it definitely exists there. And I agree with you about that. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, but, I usually like dissecting and getting into themes, but I wasn't really like doing that with this one. I was just kind of like yeah. along with the goofy, you know, yeah, plot or whatever. I, I thought but it was gonna... more of a ride movie. I thought I, certainly there's there are things to think about here, but my I mean my 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 perception was that this is yeah this is like one of those one of those delightful comedy of errors where, uh, a where a bunch of people get murdered. It's a, a well yeah a romp is an interesting <laughs> choice of words considering. Some of the stuff we've talked sure. about, um, yeah. Oh, I thought it was a romp. Like yeah. mayhem, uh, mayhem and madness. Uh. Yeah, but even and and my and my very you know whatever this is a very Peter thing to say, but you know, but even romps have you know artistic value. You know, oh, whatever. absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Um, and so much of, like the movie is 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 beautifully shot. I thought um, like I thought everyone's performance was really good. I thought it was funny. Um, uh, I thought that that uh, that there was a lot going on under the hood of this of this romp for sure. And because like, and it's one of my questions that I wanted to ask. I, I felt very related to this family um, in quarantine times because of their isolation. Mm. You know, I, I joked at the in my opening about cabin fever, but right. I mean, like this is and and this is why I agree with Angela about it would be helpful to know sort of the stakes of what led them, what cast them out of society, but out of society they are uh, and hungry for anyone to come visit and the only people who do are just bringing more and more trouble with them and i there's like there I, there was a there's a there's a melancholy there that i did connect with mm -hmm. uh with this family of uh i i got their cabin fever and desperation a little bit um something else you mentioned angela and i think it's also kind of indicative of the way that a number of us are like talking about this movie is, uh, you know, we're talking about like pulling out certain characters and like the focus on the first, on the, the girl and stuff as the, you know, maybe the POV character for this film, you know, for the audience or whatever. I, I really just saw the family as a unit most of the time. I mean, they, they each had things that they were doing or whatever, and they each had like some quirks or whatever, but like for the most part, it was like the family versus, you know, the situation. Um, yeah, and I didn't even realize that that girl really didn't have much of a plot. To, like, she wasn't really integral in anything because I, I never really thought of her too much as a standalone character. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, it was difficult to, to differentiate the character, like the family themselves on character traits, right? They were all just kind of desperate and sloppy and, and doltish, I guess. Or but, mom's practical, or, dad kicked the dog. Yeah. Or the brother, or the brother's said, super pervy to the point of like being harassy. Uh, exactly. Also, yeah, Norman, so the uncles, there's well. Norman Batesing. Uh, there's yeah. Norman Batesing there, and uh, I respect a good shout out. Um, Angela, uh, as you say, like there are some, there's some nods to, to, to good stuff here. But before we get away from the the youngest family member, Corey, you said you wanted to talk about the very last shot, yeah. which is just her kind of looking coyly, mm -hmm. mysteriously uh, at the camera, which I, th I thought was a really interesting still. And I don't know what I made of it. Did you make anything specific? Out no, of it? I turned to like as that was, you know, going in the Partridge family was playing, which is great. I loved it. Um, I yes. turned to Frida and I was just like, what's what's up with? did i did we miss something what's up with that shot so i don't know yeah. I, was, I posed that question to you did i miss something I, it sounds like i probably didn't no okay <laughs> i'm like why it is she looking very... at us like that <laughs> well it seemed very like haunting like to me that get kind of like backs up my whole thing about the family are the ones carrying the curse the family are the ones haunting this place like there was just something very like 
to me, the ethereal, otherworldly about that whole thing. Something that's slightly sinister. I don't know. Yeah. I liked it a lot. I thought it was a great way to end it. I don't know why I liked it. There was something about it that was like, and the real twist is... <laughs> but I'd be like, I didn't, wasn't picking up on what the real twist was, so I'm guessing I didn't miss anything. <laughs> For a split second, I thought it was a twin sister or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I walked away Hugo, with... Hugo, living uh, in the I walked to, I walked away with questions about how the quiet family will survive uh, will survive winter in a cabin, which is a notoriously terrible place uh, to spend winter yeah. uh, in cinema. Mm-hmm. And also, do people not come by in the wintertime? Like, things like that. Like, there's a kind of that uncertainty. Like, everything is kind of precarious. And, you know, I guess I came away from it with a sense of, you know, everything is settled uh, it seems like they've gotten away scot-free with everything and all's well because there does seem to be a time jump. Um, but nothing is really settled because everything is kind of up in the air. Will they survive winter? Does anybody? Who knows? Hmm. Getting back to sort of themes and context that might be there, and I don't have any specific thoughts about this, but I wanted to throw out the question because there are two different times they mention North Korean spies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought that was interesting and you know i uh you know i i don't know any more about north south korean relations at this point in time than i guess i did write a paper on it for school uh, around this time but but i don't know but i didn't read anything more into that other than and i didn't know if i should read anything more into that about overall suspicion yeah i thought it was an I couldn't figure out why they were making that choice uh, and how it like necessarily tied in um in the end i was just like i guess it was to have the plot payoff of them finding the person in the woods and thinking that he was a spy, like accidentally. But I'm like, that was a lot of setup for just that, if that's what it was. So (laughs) yeah, yeah. I don't know. And it was all overshadowed by Song Kang Ho's boisterous laugh in the hospital. (laughs) Really good. good. (laughs) He was just off his rocker. His whole character was uh, insane Mm -hmm. and very, he played it very Mm -hmm. well. Um, let's see. Anybody have anything else? I have a couple just like scenes that I really liked. Um, some of the funniest scenes. Uh, I loved where they're around the table and they're all just talking about how good they are at digging. Um, <laughs> that was, that was, was good. so funny. <laughs> like you laughed, Angela. I you did. laughed. <laughs> that was mildly amusing at the time. It's funnier now when you guys mention it. it- and it and it's like and from like a screenwriting standpoint, like it's just such a good scene showing how in it they are now. You know, like yeah. they started at this point at the beginning of the movie, and now here we are, where it's like they are in that you know mystical cave or whatever it is from the you know mono myth um, that they are now bragging about how good they are burying bodies. I, I just thought it was a great scene. And you can say like thematically, you know, they 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 ostensibly got this place to keep the family together and this is the thing that's binding them even yeah. closer you know yeah, yeah 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 this is this is pulling them together they are they are improving themselves now because they're getting so, so good at digging like yeah so it's, funny. it's really funny and then doing I, it as a family yeah and i just also love the scene where uh the parents are just like talking and they're, blah, 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 and they're like and how many bodies is, or how many how many bodies is it now and they're just like they start counting on their fingers, two, three, four. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was really funny. Oh, oh, did you guys catch? I was like, I was starting to bet with myself at the extent to which this movie was going to end with a conflagration. Uh, just because there oh. was, I was like, oh, burn it all down. Had burn to. it all we down. Should... We should really, we should really start counting the number of movies that we have reviewed on Crit Club mm-hmm. that end with just a big fire, mm-hmm. <laughs> just burn it all down. Yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised. I'm guessing it's three at this point, including this movie. I wouldn't say the whole thing burns down, but there is a an Mm -hmm. important shed. It's true. So just throwing that out. Um. Yeah. I just I want to mention one more time that opening shot of panning through the hotel because I thought it was so great. Mm -hmm. Like it really just set the place, and it it and it didn't do anything but just pan around and just show you where we are and just show you where we're gonna hang out to the point like and it made it. It made me so much more comfortable with that place and whatever I would happen in it next to the point where the one or two very quick scenes that have the only two scenes that happen away from there were very jarring. Mm-hmm. I felt like when it was like the police officer or like the assassin getting off the bus or something. 
and I, I felt like those were very jarring because I was outside of this place where I felt very comfortable. And I thought that was an excellent bit of directing to, to make us so stylistically and very uh, make me very comfortable in that hotel. Even the scene uh, where um, where the the oldest son and his uncle um, like chase down the couple for the wallet, like. <laughs> Just like seeing, like going be like so goofy, like so waving the weapons around, waving the weapons around. Oh my goodness! Um, So goofy, (laughs) like classic, like classic slapstick. Like, what's going on? Why do they keep running from us? Uh, (laughs) What's wrong with this? Is this scary? What? Um, but even just like anytime they go off the property is weird. Like it's like obviously it's like the it's a it's a wilderness lodge or whatever. But mm-hmm. like it just seems that everything outside of the everything outside of the 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 lodge itself seems so like vast and like they it's it almost seems like shot differently. I guess obviously it would have to be because it's like an exterior thing. Uh, the but like the scenery everything is just so. Um, I don't know. It's just so like it feels very is like so like vast and outdoorsy when they leave this like tiny space. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's backing my my whole thing up. They're the ones haunting. They're the ghosts. Yeah, they're the sure. curse. Sure. They're they're Beetlejuicing out there. They try to leave the inn and it just goes on and on forever. <laughs> I thought about my only Beetlejuice. Other thought... Yeah, I thought about Beetlejuice too while I was watching mm-hmm. this. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, this movie and his other movie, Tale of Two Sisters, convinces me that he uh, is very interested in wallpaper. Both movies have excellent wallpaper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's it. Maybe Korea has excellent wallpaper like, as yeah, a whole. True. Yeah. Excellent wallpaper taste. Um, great. Anybody have anything else or should we roll? I'm ready to roll. Wonderful. Well, here at Crit Club, instead of the standard 1 to 10 different variations on rolling uh, because of our affiliation, well, not affiliation, so strike that out, (laughs) because of our affection for Dungeons & Dragons, uh, we roll on a 1 to 20 of 20-sided die and give our uh, score thusly. Um, so let's go in the the order I called on. Chris, what do you what do you what do you roll this one? How um, do you roll? How I roll? I roll. I roll. I roll high. Um, this was really funny. I had a fun time with this movie. Um, I love a good slapsticky comedy of errors with with murder and mayhem, and this 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 made me very happy to watch. Um, I'm gonna give it a 17. Mm-hmm. Fantastic, Angela. You're next. What uh, is this? Did this get the one? <laughs> no, it did not get a one. But I am not like Wizard Chris, and that I don't like comedies of errors and um, bad things happening to unsuspecting people. Um, so it makes me very uncomfortable. So I couldn't really enjoy the film, kind of on its face value. But I did enjoy um, delving into what the film was trying to say, and I think it, it was really smart. Um, so I was going to give it a 9, but this discussion has made me bring it up to a 12. Whoa. Yeah. I'm passing the threshold one. one for each of us. I feel like 10 is neutral, so you push yeah. it past the neutral. I've, I want, one other thing, I, uh, let's finish rolling and then I'll bring up my one other thing. Corey, what's next? What are you rolling with this one? I movie? think this is a very good movie, uh, and I will give it a 16. I think it's just a, a stellar script, did a did a great job so give it a 16 no re-rolls Corey. no re-rolls no re-rolls anymore yeah (laughs) Corey once took back a crit and we can't trust (laughs) the scores anymore uh and i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna match with wizard here i'm definitely going 17 um uh this was great super delightful super surprising didn't expect it had a wonderful time talking about it with you all more um lastly on this though i just realized angela also a little bit to your point that I don't think any innocent people were killed. Like, I think that it's, like, the only the only people they killed were, the well, the one guy trying to kill himself anyway, and then the attempted rapist, and then the assassin. I guess the, I guess, and, the, and, the, and then the police officer was actually killed by the assassin, so they didn't kill him. And uh, the guy who was with the attempted rapist <laughs> ties himself up in the woods at the end of the movie. <laughs> So I feel like no one died. No one innocent died. If, well, what if, about uh, the suicide couple? 
Yeah, if somebody yeah, in your just... life tries to kill themselves, don't bludgeon them with a shovel if they wake up. That's I mean, a PSA. Yeah, I feel like, I don't know, they wanted to die. They wanted their, they had their <laughs> night of passion and they wanted an exit out of it. And, and, yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, just realized that. I wanted to go through, I wanted to go through the, the deaths because I was like, is the, did, I don't think anyone innocent died. Um, great. Well, on that very cheery note, pardon me for this. Um, uh, I believe Angela has the next pick uh, oh, for next week's Crit Club. I what do. are we going to watch next week, Angela? We are going to watch a Swedish movie called Everlasting Moments from director Jan Trell, uh, which is about a, a mother in 19, the 1910s uh, in an abusive relationship who finds a, a modicum of freedom through uh, the lens of a camera. Um, and photography. I'm, uh, I didn't even watch the trailer until Corey messaged me and said, this is a very Angela film. And then I watched it and I was like, oh my God, couldn't have picked one that was more Angela-rific. Um, it's a period costume drama. Um, it's shot in very sepia tones. And um, I love photography. Um, I started the photography club in high school. Um, I just can't wait to see this movie and can't wait to talk about it with all of you. And it won like that sounds... awards and stuff, right? Yes, it uh, appeared at a bunch of different film festivals. I'll talk more about what awards it won uh, next week because I don't have that information in front of me. All right. And unless I'm in, yes, Corey, I believe you're going to to say that it's it also, also has a spine. Yes, it yes, also has a spine. Yes. In the Criterion Collection. It's number five twenty. Not every movie that we review here on Crit Club is part of the actual Criterion Collection, uh, as I don't think the Quiet Family is. Uh, our only stipulation is that it is available on the Criterion channel itself. Um, also, reach out and tell us about how much you loved The Quiet Family or how excited you are to watch Everlasting Moments or give us recommendations on what movies you'd like to have us discuss. You can email us at critclubcast at gmail. Uh, and you can also find us on Twitter with the handle at critclubcast. Come say hi. Come tell us how good our voices are especially wizard chris uh give us some wonderful feedback and we hope you've enjoyed our discussions as we enjoy talking about them to you our last segment is here finally we're going to discuss what everyone else has been watching with their time what other media they're consuming what are the content they live in uh who wants to go first who's anybody got anything what else are you watching Angela, what else are you watching? Uh, uh, yeah, it was hard to follow up Bridgerton, or Bridgerton, whatever you want to call it. Uh, how could you follow that up? It was delicious. Um, so uh, I found myself going to YouTube, um, and uh, I've been watching a lot of RuPaul's Drag Race, too. Uh, the latest season is up. I'm all about RuPaul's Drag Race, um, which brought me to, uh, I couldn't get enough of Drag Race. So on YouTube, I started watching uh, Trixie and Katya uh, again. Um, and then also watch some retrospectives of like the, you know, uh, the best of Trixie Mattel, the best of Katya. And um, if you're looking for some really goofy, dirty humor, um, that does elicit like cackles um, and is unexpected sometimes and campy um, and, and hilarious. And I mean, just the two of these people together, Trixie and Katya, are, are like gin and tonic. It's like peanut butter and jelly. And they just play. You just have no idea what direction they're going to go in. And I am fulfilled every single time. Um, it is the only next best thing to uh, that makes me really happy is what we do in the shadows. Mm. So I get my surprise, awesome, unusual laughs from watching. Uh, and there are hundreds of episodes. They range from like tw 10 minutes to 30 minutes. Um, and I have a lot of catching up to do. It is not a world that I am well versed in at all. I that my only exposure probably to this world is Trixie and Katia, um, but they're great. I've seen like a, hand, a handful of their episodes, and they're about. always super good. <laughs> well, and I, I think did you mention this the other night? Like you, you, I think you said that uh, Trixie Mattel um, has Paul Rudd as her celebrity crush, and I had for I don't know if you mentioned that or if I was dreaming. <laughs> you mentioned that to but me, then, so you heard that from someone else. <laughs> oh weird that is weird anyway so yeah i saw that and paul red plays a special role in all of our lives that we can't really describe at this moment but um not in a reality sort of way at all 
unless he wants to make it a reality. Paul, if you're out there, we've got a gig for you. You are going to love. At Crit Clubcast. Um, yeah. Wizard Chris, what are you watching? What else have you been, what else have you been watching? Um, so I watched the first two episodes of the Netflix uh, docuseries on the infamous Hotel Cecil. Uh, anybody watch that? It's uh, some good true crime trash about a young Canadian girl who disappeared uh, in the mean streets of Los Angeles and uh, wound up uh, wound up being found a month later on the roof of the Hotel Cecil um, in one of the water tanks. And the only evidence we have uh, relating to her disappearance is a very disturbing uh, or perhaps a mysterious piece of elevator camera footage that's uh, that's like super creepy um, and became like an internet thing. Um, what is the name of this? What ago. is the title of this? Uh, what? Oh, it's called uh, it's called like crime scene disappearance at the hotel Cecil something like that. So it's a great great name. Yeah, yeah, it's really catchy. Crime scene. Crime scene. It, it is pure like unsolved mysteries, like America's most wanted trash. Like Netflix is really starting to lean into that kind of nonsense, and uh, and I'm here for it. I'm here for the Netflix UFO series that hopefully they'll they'll start doing soon. Um, but yeah, if you're into uh, if you're into um, a, little tr- a little true crime, a little uh, a little mystery, um, this is a this is like a four episode uh, sleazy paperback that uh, that I can at least recommend so far. Um, also, want to give out give a shout out to the movie Predator with Arnold Schwarzenegger. I was feeling low the other day, and I <laughs> put that on, and I don't feel low anymore. Great shout out! <sighs> yeah, great shout We're, out. Uh... We're about to watch Critters Four tonight, you know. So um, that I'm hoping that'll do the same thing for me. <laughs> Corey, what else are you watching besides uh, Critters Four? I uh, so I was camping most of the week, so I did not watch much of anything, but I read a bunch of comic books, um, especially oh, cool. stuff that's been. Give me recommendations. No. <laughs> okay. What is it called? No, I said, give me recommendations. I I thought you said, have you read Mudations? And I'm like, no, I've not heard. No, 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 no. Sorry. Um, So uh, the two, I was just excited. I read a bunch of like old, like Batman comics that I haven't like read in a while and stuff. Uh, But I uh, read some Adrian Tomina, who is a comic book writer uh, who I've loved for a long time. I read Killing and Dying from him, which is one that came out five or six years ago that I I had missed and just hadn't read. And it's like four or five uh, short stories put together and some of them have like really stuck with me and I'm like still thinking about them, you know, like a week or two later. Um, and then I also read, um, I, I read, I reread understanding comics by Scott McCloud, but then I read one, mm-hmm. I, I read, um, making comics, which I think in a lot of ways is like an even more interesting book. And I hadn't read that before. It was super dense and just like, yeah, really impressive. And like every everything that you think that he's maybe missing or not going to talk about, he gets to. And it's just like super comprehensive. Even if you're not interested in making comics yourself, reading, making comics will give you a much greater appreciation for comics in general. So it's it was great. Loved it. Awesome. You had a good time camping. Yeah, yeah? I had a really good time. <laughs> the I thought of you uh, because of your camping trip last week and also because of something you had mentioned very excitedly in a previous Crit Club episode when I uh, saw this uh, news report going around a couple of days ago. I'll just read the first sentence here. The authorities in Arizona accused a man of going to extreme lengths to get out of work this month, saying he faked his own kidnapping, bound his own wrists, gagged himself, and invented a story of treasure hidden in the desert. Um, <laughs> yeah. What was the yeah, name of that treasure uh, you were going to find? Secret. Yeah. <laughs> the secret, yeah. The oh, secret, yeah. It would have been so oh, much easier just to say covid uh, there's like, also why couldn't he just say covid well there's also the secret but there's also um what it's a f- forest finif what was the name of the, the the there was that that uh millionaire antiques guy mm-hmm. who like buried the yeah. treasure in the middle of like the rocky mountains or whatever um, yeah that uh that was just found like somewhere it was it was sad to me because i knew this wasn't you but i was very hoping that this was you getting out yeah. of work uh, <laughs> it's something i would do and your camping trip quote unquote was actually going to find the yeah. the treasure that you had extolled i'm still interested in this but unfortunately uh 
San Francisco is not allowing dig permits right now during COVID. <laughs> Go figure. Uh, it's, it's really, yeah. Can't dig a hole. There's poop in the streets. Move to the Bay, people. <laughs> okay, great. Well, I guess that's everything for us. Um, it was wonderful to discuss this uh, movie with you all, and I'm really looking forward to talking about Everlasting Moments. Uh, is that what it's called, Angela, next week? Indeed. And who is that? Who made that? Who? Uh, it is Jan uh, Troell, T-R-O-E-L-L. Uh, Thank you. I'm not sure I'm saying that correctly. I don't speak. That's either. fine. Apologies to everyone we wrong forever. Um, uh, yeah, this was great to talk about this with you all. Uh, and, uh, also of course, listeners, please rate and review us. Please reach out to us on email or Twitter at crit club. Well, crit at gmail.com or at crit Um, and we look forward to hanging out with you all again next week and discussing this movie. Thank you all so much. Thank you, Corey. Thank you, Quizzer. Wizard. Thank you, Angela. Thank you, Peter. Have a good, yeah. All right. Have a good night. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.